0: Lord together. Ephesians chapter number four will be our text this morning as uh, Eric just read for us and we appreciate him reading that. Um, We've been going through a study on the church and this will be our third week as we unpack um, some different characteristics of the church um, so that we can know what it is that we're about and why we're here each week and um, what we're supposed to be doing and and uh, can kind of find our, our fit for what God has for us here at Grace Bible Church. Um, the first week we learned that the church is owned and built by the Lord Jesus Christ. It is His church. And um, the focus that we have is to be on Him in every way, shape, and form. We're to be focused on exalting Christ. We're to be focused on living in uh, submission to Christ. We're to be focused on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, really, it is the church is about the exaltation of what Jesus Christ has done for us, uh, through, uh, in us, and, and continues to do through us. Uh, last week, we learned some essentials to the church, uh, one being the Holy Spirit, the second being the gospel, and then the third being changed lives. And uh, each one of those is essential, Acts chapter number two, and the entire book of Acts where you have the beginning of the church, um, these three things are, are seen all throughout the book. And so we, we know that the Holy Spirit's presence must be with us. The gospel must be the message that we preach and change lives is, are the results that we look for. And this morning, we're going to move to the purpose of the church. This will be uh, a several-week study. And um, we're going to look at its progression this morning. The title of the message is The Progression of the Church's Purpose. I did want to say this in regards to the church being Christ's church. Um, there is a danger in the church today of mankind um, manipulating his way into being in control of the church. And it's so important, as Jesus says in Matthew uh, 16, that it's the Lord's church and he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it it's always important that we understand that it is, it is His work. Now, what takes place here at Grace Bible Church that's profitable and good is because Christ is working it out. It's not because we're working it out. And uh, I, w- I was given a good illustration of this this week, and we've been talking to a doorman. Uh, we have a, a front door issue, one of our doors doesn't swing quite softly as it ought to. So we've been talking to a doorman to come in and fix that door, and he came in and he talked about putting these new hinges on the top that will prevent the door from closing too fast so someone doesn't get hurt. But he said this, he said, although the the hinge that's in the bottom of the door, although it's completely worthless and broken, if you don't turn it off, it will always hinder the hinge that's going to be on the top of the door. In other words, even though the, the hinge that's in the bottom is worthless, it will constantly be in conflict with the new hinges at the top. And it, and it hit me that that's the way the church is. That oftentimes we're the hinge on the bottom. We're the broken piece. We're the part that is, is interfering. And unless and, and we learn and, and understand that we have to be shut off Completely shut off our our self effort, our our, our self righteousness. All of those things have to be completely shut off. Or the new hinge, which is Jesus Christ, which is truly the purpose and the strength behind the church, will always be hindered by us interfering. And that's, I think, a good picture of us realizing that the church is all about the Lord. Yes, we're involved and we're active, but it's not our energy, it's not our effort, it's not our talent, it's not our skill that accomplishes what the Lord wants to accomplish. It is His gifts, it is His grace, it is His Spirit working through us to accomplish the things that He wishes to accomplish. And, and we know this, and you guys have seen this before, and we've all seen this. It. Many of us have been in the church most of our lives. When the Lord is actively moving, things are happening. And uh, some, of the, some of the frailest, weakest vessels have been used to do great things for the Lord because it was totally the Lord's work and not their work. As a matter of fact, I would submit to you that the disciples in the New Testament were not men of renown from the perspective of being great servants of the Lord. The Lord took nobodies and made something out of them. And that's what the Lord does, and he does it so that he can receive all of the glory. So it's so important that we understand that the Lord is the essence, the purpose, the goal, the orchestrator, the, the, the laborer within the church working through us. And, and what we need to do is we need to get out of his way and get that whole flesh out of the way. As Paul says, I die daily. Now, Paul understood that his greatest purpose in life was to get out of the Lord's way and to let the Lord work through him in a a clear, intimate, unhindered way. And then the Lord can do the things that he wishes to accomplish. Ephesians 4, uh, our text this morning, is is probably one of the the most well-known texts in regards to the purpose of the church. The church's purpose is all throughout the New Testament, but this passage of Scripture seems to be one of the main passages of Scripture when dealing with the purpose of the church. What are, we, what are we here for? What are we supposed to be accomplishing? Now, last week, we dealt with the fact that there are two different perspectives of the church. There's the universal church, which is the um, entire body of Christ. Everyone who is saved is a part of the universal church of Christ, the, the general assembly. And then there's a local church, and that is us right here, sitting here this morning, we're the local church, we're the local expression, we're a visible expression of the, of the universal body of Christ. I, I bring that back up because, because the universal church has a different purpose than the local church does, okay? Every believer has, a, has a, an individual purpose within the body of Christ, and then the church, local, has a very, very different purpose in regards to equipping those individual believers to function within the universal body of Christ. So what our purpose is as a universal body, um, the whole church, all believers, our purpose is simple, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. It is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. It is to baptize or identify people with Christ. And then it is to teach them all things that the Lord has taught us and, and, and that is basically our responsibility is discipleship. The, the universal church, every individual within the body of Christ, has the responsibility of making disciples of people. It is so interesting, the, the, the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, is simply this, as you are going in the world, make disciples of people. In, in other words, your job and my job is, is when I go to work on Monday morning, my philosophy, my focus is to make disciples of people. As I, go to, as I go to school, as I go to eat lunch, as I, wherever I'm going, what, what the gospels tell us, what Jesus is telling us there, wherever I'm going in life, my job is to make disciples of people. I am constantly to be making disciples of people by how I live, by how I talk, by how I walk, by how I treat my wife, by how I treat my husband, by how I treat my children. All of these things are a way by which we are making disciples of people. A preacher once said that our greatest witness and our greatest testimony is not us as individuals, but it is our family. It is, it is how our family functions. When the world looks at, at, at John Prettyman's family, does he see the essence of the gospel? Does he see an expression of the gospel? Or does he see something that is very similar to what he lives in in the world? So we're always, as we're going through, the, through life, when we're disciplining our children, when we're teaching our children, when we're instructing our children, as we're going through life with those daily things, when we wake up in the morning, we are to be making disciples. That's what he says. That's the purpose of the universal church. As you are going through life, are you making disciples of people? And I did not say converts, I said disciples. Are you making disciples of people? Because there is a difference. Making a convert is something that you can do in a moment. Making a disciple is a lifelong adventure. You may work and feed into somebody's life for years and years and years and never see any fruits. But you're not trying to make a convert, you're trying to make a disciple. And that takes a long time. Jesus Christ took three and a half years to make disciples out of 11 guys who at the end, he has to ask them if they really love him. That's making disciples. And Jesus Christ made those disciples walking through his daily life with them. So you think about it, your responsibility and my responsibility as the body of Christ, as the people that God has put me around, I'm to be making them into disciples, right? Matthew tells us, we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth, right? We're to live in such a way that people will see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. That is making disciples, That's who we are. And and I know that there are times in our lives that there, there there are situations and circumstances where our words are limited. What we can say about the gospel is limited. But there's never a time in your Christian life and in my Christian life when living out the gospel is limited. There's never a time when somebody can say, you're being too kind, you're being too loving, you're being too forgiving, They may not let you speak the gospel at your work, but they can't tell you you can't live it. As a matter of fact, most employers would love if we would live the gospel at our work. Because it's a great benefit to them, isn't it? You know, the greatest workers in the world should be Christians. So it's a great benefit to them to see the gospel being lived out through us. So that's the universal church's responsibility. That's your your job and my job is as we go through life, we are to be gospel-oriented. Whatever our circumstance might be, whatever our situations might be, we're to be living out the gospel. And when we get opportunities, we're to speak it, but we're to live it. I will tell you this, as a parent who has raised two kids out of the home now and three that have a few more years to go, but... What I have one of the things that I have learned as a parent is is it's not it's not trying to impact your children's actions in the moment of the situation where they fail that's going to change them. It's impacting their heart over a long stretch of time. It's discipling them through their circumstances and troubles of life. And it's a hard thing to learn and it takes us a lot of years to get there, and usually by the time our kids are moving out, we figured it out, right? We can help our grandkids out with it. But it is so true. We so, we so often try to touch our children's actions and we leave their, their character alone when God says what you need to do is touch their heart. Their actions will follow their heart. We're gonna be making disciples. That's our responsibility. Make disciples of your children. Make disciples of your coworkers. Make disciples of whoever God puts you around. Because ultimately, folks, that's our calling. That's our job. That's what we're here for. Now, in addition to that, what's our job as a local church? If, our local, if the local church's job is different than, than, than going out in the world and making disciples, what is it? And the, the local church's job is a little bit different in that we're to, we're to go into all the world and make disciples. We're to, see, we're to preach the gospel, live the gospel, and see people saved. We're to bring them into God's house, and this is the place where they get direction, they get, they get an outlet where they can be safe and they can be uh, encouraged and comforted. And it's, it's a safe place. It's an encouraging place. It's a, it's a helpful place where they can come out of that, those old uh, sins and those old lifestyles and, and be set apart to do the work of the Lord. That's the calling that we have as a, a local body of believers, a lot of churches today have taken on the responsibility of the universal church in the local church. So what we've done is we've become so seeker sensitive and so seeker friendly because we want all the lost world to come into the church that the church no longer accomplishes its purpose as a group that is enabling and equipping and encouraging those who are already saved. We are here as a church body to make the church strong so that it can go out into all the world and make disciples of people. That's why we're here. That's what our purpose is. If we lose sight of that purpose, we can very easily, again, become so seeker sensitive that we are not helping anyone. Our our, our job is not to um, be seeker sensitive. It's to be equipping the saints and the believers. Going back to our text, okay, you'll notice in our text that Paul says that they've given some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some teachers, and some pastors um, for the perfecting of the, what's the next word? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the, body of Christ. So the focus of the the local church is on what type of people? It's focused on believers. The focus of the local church is on believers. It is equipping them. It is preparing them to go out into the world and to make disciples, okay? Making disciples is not a staff member's job of a church. It's all Christians' jobs, it's our responsibility. It's, it's, it's more than being our responsibility. It's really our, our um, privilege, isn't it? It's our privilege. God has saved us, and so we get to go out and witness to other people, share the gospel with them, and, and by his grace, see them get saved. So we're going to look this morning for a few minutes on the progression. Um, and I want to I illustrate it this way. L- let me read the text again. In uh, beginning in verse 11, that he gave some apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may, may lo- no longer be uh, children tossed to and fro by the uh, waves and carried about with every wind of doctrine by human cunning. So there are three terms that are used in this passage of Scripture. I want to look at these three terms this morning. And these terms describe the process that the church is supposed to be, is supposed to be constantly in. It's, it's a cycle that the church is constantly in that um, you have people at different stages in their Christian walk, and the church is, is helping them develop going through this process. Okay? So, so in other words, you have somebody who's been brought into the church, they're a new believer, and they're going to start this cycle that we're going we're to help them go through so that they can become mature, they can become unified, they can become purposeful in the body of Christ, in the, in the, in the work of the Lord, okay? And this is a medical term that's used here. He, he talks about, to begin with, for the perfecting of the saints, the word perfecting here is, is a medical term. It carries with it the idea of setting a bone. Um, and we, we had a, a, our, our daughter this week, um, a few weeks ago, she broke her finger, and uh, it was a very, very um, serious fracture um, where she had her finger twisted and it snapped. And um, she had to go back in. I know. She's like, why did you have to share that with us? Sorry. <laughs> Um, so she had to go into the doctor and they x-rayed it and they discovered that she had to have surgery on it and they were going to have to take that finger and they were going to have to, to lift it back up and to twist it and then place it back into place. (laughs) We're not going to eat lunch for a while. You'll be okay. (laughs) So they had to, they had the, the idea of it was they had to reset that bone into its proper place because it was broken out of place, Right. That's exactly what this term means here in the Greek. It means that it means to reset something, or to reset someone. All right? so, so the idea of it is is that something has been put out of place, and we're going to the church's responsibility is to put it back into place. It's, it's, to, it's to take that which is broken and to, and to reset it into its, into its proper place.? Okay? We have people that are coming into the church, they're broken, aren't they? They're out of place. They, they're, they're saved. Okay, let's just, for instance, we, we go out into the world and we preach the gospel and, and, and we see somebody get saved. They come to the Lord and they desire to grow. They come into the church. They come into the body of Christ, believers, and they're still what? They're still out of place, aren't they? Okay? When it comes to, in regards to the church, the body of Christ, even somebody who was saved, sometimes is not in the right place with the church. It's not in the right settings with the church. It's still her finger. When she broke her finger, it was still her finger. It was still a part of the body, but the part of the body was out of place, right? So somebody comes in off the street, and they've been saved. They've been converted. They, they have this newfound passion for the Lord. They come into the church, but they're still what? They're still out of place. They're still not set back into where they belong, The church's responsibility is to reset them back into the church in a place that they belong. To take that bone that has been broken off and to reset it back where it's supposed to be. That is the first part of our responsibility. That's the first part of of somebody healing. That's the first part of somebody growing in the Lord. The church's responsibility is somebody walks through those doors and they're broken, they're broken, they're saved, they've been converted to the Lord Jesus Christ, but they're broken, they're out of place. They don't know what to do, they don't know where they fit, they don't know where they're going, they don't know a lot of things about their Christian life and they're broken out of place, but they, they want to know. Paul, I think Paul is a good example in, in Romans seven of this type of a mindset. The things that I don't wanna do, I do, and the things that I do wanna do, I don't do. People who come into to God's house who have been converted to Jesus Christ, they're still broken. They're still out of place. They're out of joint, if you will. Somebody has to come alongside them and the first step in their spiritual healing, the first step in setting them on the right path is to take that finger and it's painful sometimes, isn't it? You don't reset a bone without there being pain involved, but you take that bone and you take it and you lift it and you twist it and you put it right back where it belongs. And all you're doing is, is you're setting that bone up. I remember the doctor saying, if we leave it the way it is, it won't heal right, right? Right. So the church's job is somebody comes in broken. We're to, the very first step is we're to put them in a condition where they can heal right. Where they can heal right. They're going to heal. That bone is going to grow back and connect with that other bone. The problem is with Olivia is that it would have grown back, and her finger would have looked like that, right? You guys, some of you are on Facebook, and you've seen the pictures. It was pretty bad. We we, we joke around about it because Olivia has very pretty hands, and we've always kidded her about being a hand model. And so when this all happened, we were like, okay, the hand modeling thing is out the window, but... But maybe, maybe they were able to fix it so that that's not the case. Do you see the picture, though? People come into God's house, and they're broken. They're out of place. They've got something going on in their life that's caused them to be out of, out of place, with maybe with God, but, but maybe not just with God as a, uh, in salvation, but maybe with, just with God's people, with God's church, with God's purpose for their life. And they're completely, some of them are, their fingers are completely bent the whole wrong way. And that's just who they are. That's just who they are. And they're coming to God's people, and they're coming into God's house, and they're coming around us, and they need someone to come alongside them. Yes, it's going to be painful, but to say, hey, we're going to help reset you. We're going to help put you back into the place where you belong. Where you can fit into the body of Christ, where you have a purpose, where you have a, a, a vision for God, where there, there's something that God's gonna do with your life. We're to reset you into that. We we the church, folks, has become a place where if people don't walk in with everything all set in place, we reject them. They come in because they're broken, because God has put us here to put them back into place. Not to cast them out because they're broken. People are not broken bones when they come into the church, but they're broken emotionally, they're broken spiritually, they're broken in so many ways. Their lives have been broken, their marriages have been broken, their kids are broken, there's so much brokenness. And they come into God's house and they're, they're looking for somebody spiritually to say, hey, hey, listen, this is going to be painful, but I'm going I'm to put you back into place. I remember when I was a youth pastor... Many years ago, there were several times when I would have a youth activity, and somebody would get their parts out of joint. I remember one time a kid, he went to kick a, he went to kick a soccer ball, and he ended up stepping on it, and his kneecap went to the side. Have you remember? I know this is like the <laughs> grossest message in the world, right? You're going to walk out here being like, I know what he means! <laughs> He did, and I remember going, I remember we took him to the emergency room, and the doctor said, this is going to be really painful, right? And then he pulled it, and he put it back into place, but, but immediately, you know what he felt when it was put back into place? What did he feel? Relief. Relief. He could have said, I, I don't want to feel the pain of getting that back into place, so let's just leave it there, Right? No, it needs to be put back into place. It needs to go where it needs to go. It needs to go where it belongs. Let's put it back into place, and then you'll feel some relief. Listen, that's what the church is here for. That's what we're here for. That's what God has planted us here for, to place a broken part in some way, shape, or form. The worst person to deal with in any situation is someone that doesn't know that they're broken or someone who thinks they're not broken, or somebody who thinks you're broken more than they're broken, right? It's the Matthew 7 scenario to recognize the beam in your own eyes so that you can help somebody else with the dust that's in their eye, right? It's important that we recognize that we're broken. When we recognize that we're broken, we can find help. Uh, James 5 says, confessing your faults or your sins to one another, that we might pray for each other, that there might be healing, right? Right? says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That is the necessity of acknowledging our condition of being broken. We must acknowledge that. Church, we must be a place that's safe to acknowledge that we're broken, right? People should not be afraid of coming into God's house and being afraid of admitting that they're broken. It's funny, it's true, and it's funny. It's not funny, it's sad. Okay, it's sad. <laughs> the one place that people come where they put on the biggest facade is the church, right? Because they want people to think something about them that's not really true. The reality is the, reality is, is the church should be the safest place for people to come and admit that they're broken. Amen? Amen. So it's important that we know that we're broken. We, the church, reset broken parts. We reset humble parts. We don't bring people into the church or people don't come to the church that are not repentant, that are not recognizing of their sins, not recognizing of their need. If they do, then they might not last very long. We, the Lord works with people who are humble, who are broken, who are repentant. Those are the ones that he resets. Remember this, if you're not humble, broken, repentant, there might be a greater brokenness coming because the Lord knows how to humble those who are exalted, right? The church is to help, encourage, strengthen broken people. Resetting spiritually, which is salvation? They get reset with their standing with God, re- resetting them functionally in the church. Okay, resetting them functionally within the church, putting them in, bringing them in, helping them, encouraging them, resetting them as to what their purpose is and what God's purpose is for them. The Bible says in Acts six, verse three: Therefore, brothers, pick up from among you, pick out from among you seven men of good report, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to do this duty. Resetting tools, uh, teaching, prayer, uh, testing, accountability, and fellowship. These are, all op- these are all ways that we help reset people spiritually and functionally within the church. Number two, okay? A- after my daughter's finger was reset, they then wrapped it up with this um, stuff, right? Put some hard casting around it, and they immobilized it so that it would be able to heal properly, right? Okay, this is there to help her heal properly. This is the second step of helping people heal spiritually, emotionally. It is, the word I've used is empowering people. Okay, and again, the word, the idea of the word is, is you reset the bone and then you wrap it up and you put it in the best, prop, best possible condition for it to heal, You put it in the best possible position for it to heal. Here's what the Bible says, that you might, um, I'm going to read it here, that you might um, equip the saints for the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry piece of it is this wrapping up, this bandaging, this putting somebody into a place where they can heal. Okay? You say, well, how does the work of the ministry have anything to do with our healing? you would be amazed at how many people are healed spiritually, how many people are healed emotionally by helping other people. So we're, as a church body, we're to set that bone, and then we're to put that, we're to set, reset that person in the church, and then we're to put them in a place where they can do what? Where they can heal by serving other people. Whatever area that God has allowed you to suffer in is not just meant for your suffering, it is meant for your maturity, so that according to 2 Corinthians 1, you might help other people who have the same struggle that you have or had. Does that make sense? The best. Way that we can heal spiritually and emotionally. And the church's purpose is to create opportunities for you to heal spiritually and emotionally. So we're to create opportunities for you to serve. For you to serve. And the more you serve, the more you heal. Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom, you must become what? You must become a servant to all. How do we heal? How does the church participate in people's physical, spiritual, and emotional healings? They participate by creating opportunities for people to serve. Can I submit to you that a lot of us come into church and we actually become more broken because there's no outlet for us to serve. There's no place for us to heal. We actually come to the church and become more selfish. We become more self-centered or self-focused instead of coming to the church because remember, the greatest problem that we have spiritually and emotionally is me. It's my battle that I'm having with myself. The greatest healing that we can experience for that battle is others. It's me taking my hurt and helping others experience deliverance and strength. The Greek word here used is the word diakono. It means deacon. It translated deacon in the, in the English. It means to, to be serving people. When we think of a deacon, they, they serve. They're, I think of our deacons. They're always around doing stuff. That's, that's, we, we say, well, that's their job. They are a deacon. This text implies that we're all deacons. We're all serving each other. We're all serving each other so that we can experience healing. And they can experience healing too. Again, James 5, the Bible says... Confess your faults to one another that we might pray for each other that we might be healed. Empowering. The church is here to empower. The church is here to embrace. It's to create opportunities. It's to direct people so that they can find a place in which they can begin the process of healing by ministering to other people. He says we've been placed in the church for the work of the ministry. What's the work of the ministry? It is to an outlet for us to perform or to be the body of Christ, to to help the poor, to help the needy, to to deal with brokenhearted people, to mend up those who are, are, are struggling. It is to do what Jesus did. This is the place that God has given us an outlet to do what Jesus did and what Jesus does. So we have to get reset. The church's job is to reset people in their, in their spiritual direction, where they're going. The church's number two is to set them in a place where they can heal. The best type of healing for self is selflessness. So our job is to find ways that we can outlet through this church body to serve other people. And think about it, when we walk into the church on Sunday morning, do we look for opportunities to serve somebody else? The Bible even says in Hebrews 10 that that's the whole purpose of coming together, is that we might minister to each other. The last thing that he says is that he says this, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The word edify means simply to encourage. I remember it was funny because I was in the process of dealing with this message when this whole thing was going on. And so I was like watching for things that the doctors or the nurses would say, and I'd be like, yeah, that's perfect, right? So one of the last things that... the, the the nurse said to Olivia is, we encourage you when we get this cast off to use your finger as much as possible. And I thought, you know something, that's exactly what the church is for. It is to find somebody that's broken. It is to reset them back into the right place. It is to give them outlets that they can then serve other people. And then it is to encourage them and encourage them and encourage them and encourage them to use their gift for the Lord. That's what we're here for. That's the progression, if you will, of the functionality of the church. We get people to walk in the door that are broken. We help them reset in the church body to find their place, right? Do you guys believe that every individual that's in this church has a place in this church? That we are a part of the body of Christ with a function? Do you believe that? Everybody that is in here has a part, a functioning part of the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. Sometimes we just have to be reset. And then when we're reset, we have to then find areas that we can minister. We can heal. And then by God's grace, we encourage each other. We encourage each other. We lift each other up in the Lord. Bible tells us in Ephesians 4, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of Edifying or encouraging, that you might minister grace, which grace is supernatural power, that your words of edification and encouragement might minister supernatural power to the one who receives them. To do what? To minister for the Lord. How many times have you been doing the Lord's work and somebody said just the wrong thing to you? And you just said, you know what? I'm just going to quit. I'm tired already. I'm weary. I'm doing all this sacrificially. I'm just going to throw in the towel and quit. And then how many times has somebody said to you, you know what? You're doing a great job. Lord's really using you. I'm glad that God has got you doing that. And it was just those encouraging words that motivated you to go to the next step. Listen to me, church. The world has plenty of discouragements for God's people. Amen? Amen. This should not be a place where we get any. We should be so encouraging to each other, lifting each other up, encouraging each other in in your spiritual gift, in the use of your gift, as flawed as you use it. Amen? Amen? As flawed as you use it, we ought to be saying good job. Thank God that you're using it. It's a sad state when the church gets to a place where it sees somebody using their spiritual gift the best that they can and finds criticism as being the, the, the result versus encouragement. God, help us to find people that are living for the Lord the best that they know how and encourage them to go to the next level. What is the purpose of the church? What is the progression of the purpose of the church? It is to have broken people come in to reset them in their purpose for God's kingdom. It is to place them in a place where they can mend effectively service, care, comfort, accountability, and instruction. These are things that we give to broken people. And then we encourage them, encourage them, encourage them and encourage them to use God's gift for his glory and by his grace. Lord, might we be a church that resets broken parts, that comforts and cares for those who are hurting and that encourages, encourages, encourages. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time together, thank you for your resetting us, your caring and comforting us and giving us outlets for service. And, and then, Lord, your constant encouragement um, we, what we would be without it, we just don't know. We just pray, dear God, that you will help us as a church to be what you want us to be, to glorify you by how we function together, and that you'll be glorified because of it in Christ we